Hi there, and welcome to the Sanctuary Podcast. Our vision is to find sanctuary in Christ and then to be sanctuary to each other and express sanctuary to this city. And so for us, success is loving well, one person at a time. And if we can help you in any way, please do feel free to reach out, jump onto our website, sanctuarysf.com, and we would love to connect. Anyway, back to the podcast. It's a three-ring circus up here. All right. I think that's recording. Now, what do I do with this? You just put it in your pocket. My pocket, okay. It should work. All right. Hello. Hello. I think we're ready to go. Good to see everyone. Um, it's a good little tidbit that I can actually talk to you guys without a mask today. So here I am, uncloaked, unveiled, to talk to you about uh, the next bit of Gideon. So for those of you who are new or are coming for the first time, um, we're just in the beginning of Gideon. We're just in the introduction of the story. And um, this story about Gideon is really amazing because it's about this ordinary dude, completely ordinary, unassuming man whom God does amazing things with. And so as we look at the next little bit, we're going to see how God engages him and how Gideon responds. So what we're going to do is we're going to look, um, we're going to read verses, uh, so this is Judges 6, if you want to find this in your Bible, 6 verses 11 through 24. That's Judges 6, 11 through 24. We're going to read all those verses, but we're primarily going to look at just the first three or four verses. Uh, There's a lot in this initial conversation that Gideon and God have that I don't want us to miss. Um, It's interesting, when you look throughout the Bible, we have such quick snapshots of what God does in the world. Right? We, like the book of Genesis, you could read in an afternoon and it covers so much time. So when you look at what things God decided to include in the scripture or what things the authors included in the scripture, it's interesting to notice these types of conversations always come up right? in detail. The calling of Abraham, the calling of Moses, the calling of Gideon, the calling of the prophets. Anytime God has this kind of conversation with somebody he's calling, he does it in detail. And so it behooves the question, well, why? Like, why does God give us these details? Like, why is he choosing this kind of conversation to show us in detail? And I think it has a, because it has a tremendous amount to say about how you and I engage with God today, in our day. Um, so we'll look at that pretty, um, pretty intensely. And first of all, could somebody read uh, read the text. So this is, again, verses 11 through 14 in Judges 6. You're going to have to shout. So someone who's comfortable with projecting. Any takers? Come on, you're going to have to listen to my voice for a little while longer, so I don't want to read it. All right. Billy has been volunteered. All right, go for it. Yes, that's it. Go for it, man. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah, which belonged to Joab the Abiathar. 
where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord? Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the land of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Oh yeah, through 20, verse 24. Oh, that's all right. You good? Yeah, verse 11 through 24. Pardon me, my lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon replied, If now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat from the ephah of flour he made bread without yeast. Flour he made bread without yeast. Putting the meat in a basket and a drop in a pot, he brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock and pour out the broth. Gideon did so. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid, you are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day it stands in Oprah of the Abiyah's rights. Awesome. Thank you, Billy. Uh, great. So really interesting and powerful interaction that Gideon has with the angel of the Lord or this kind of human manifestation of God here on earth. Um, can somebody real quick just recap, like what's the context of this? Can you just do a quick synopsis of kind of what we what we um, talked about in the passage before, at least the, the context of what's happening with Israel? By the way, if you haven't been here when I'm talking, I like to do these as kind of like a large-scale Bible study, so prepare to like respond and have, you know, and all that, even though you don't have a mic, sorry. So yeah, what, what what's going on with Israel right now? Can someone tell me or tell us? Pillaged by the Midianites for seven years. Yes. Anything else? Maybe in hiding. In hiding. Yep. They turned away from God. Turned away from God. Yep. They did evil in the sight of the Lord, it said, and then God gave them into the hand of the Midianites. What else? It got so bad that they called out to God. Mm-hmm. They called out to God. It got so bad. Anything else? Yep, that's the other big thing that stands out to me. You sent a prophet. Tom talked about how it's like, what an unusual thing. You're like, it's like if you're, I can't remember the metaphor you had, but like if you're building a shed and so you, someone sends you a therapist, you're like, why did you send me that? I don't need that. But yeah, he sent a prophet 
to talk to them about why they were, like, while this was happening and what God's trying to tell them in the middle of this. Yeah. Right. So, okay. So, in this context, great. We see in verse 11 um, that this the angel of the Lord sat under this tree near where Gideon was uh, beating out the wine press, wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. So, what stands out to you about this? What jumps out to you in this? in verse 11. What does it tell us about Gideon? What does it tell us about the situation? What jumps out at you? He's hiding the wheat in the wine press. press. Yeah. Indeed. He's hiding the wheat from the wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Why is he doing that? What does that tell us about the situation? What does that tell us about Gideon? Mm-hmm. He's afraid. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah, I think it, it implies, yeah, Gideon's not running out in front of uh, the Midianites and saying, hey, forget you guys, like, I'm doing this. You know, he, he's not, he's hiding. He's afraid that the Midianites are going to see him and take the wheat from him, I think. Anything else that jumps out at you? Hmm. Yes. Yes. Feels abandoned by God, which we'll see kind of in the next few verses. One of the things we see about Gideon in this conversation, and even later on, um, is that he second guesses himself a lot. You know, he's got this interaction with God, which when you heard Billy read it, he's like, "How do I really know this is you? Like, can you give me this sign?" And then if you you'll hear later on in the chapter. Um, in future weeks, how even after that, he has this interaction with God with the fleece, where he's like, hey, look, I know we had this conversation. Um, I I really need more. Like, I'm really not sure about this. Like, is this really you? Should I really do this? I'm going to, like, put this this bizarre kind of, I mean, to me it was, as a, you know, maybe historically there's a a practice of doing this that I don't know about, uh, which anyone, if anyone knows about it, let me know. But this practice of putting this fleece out, and if there's moisture on one side and not the other, then that means you're going to, you're, you're actually calling me. He does this like whole thing with God. So he, he self, he doubts himself a lot. Yeah. Okay. So let's look at the next verse. Okay. So the next verse, verse 12 says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you. O mighty man of valor or O mighty warrior. Okay, so what strikes you about this, especially in light of what we just saw in the last verse? Mm, seeing the future, Gideon, instead of the present. Yeah, tell us more about... Mm, absolutely. When God names us, he makes us so. Right? See, so we don't thing. We look at a quality it already has and sort of retroactively name it. But I think that's exactly what I struck me is when God names something, when God says, O mighty man of valor, he is imbuing Gideon with those qualities. So when God names you, when he says things about you, he's not necessarily paying you a compliment. He's not paying Gideon a compliment here. Like, what did we just see in the last verse, right? He's afraid. He's hiding. He's not a mighty man of valor, at least from what we can see, right? 
He's hiding. And so when God says this to him, I believe that that naming, that quality that God has with his words to name things, to imbue that identity, as he said, in him, it's giving him that quality in one sense. Yeah. Anything else jump out at you? About verse 12... I'm curious to ask you guys, what would you say if somebody said this to you? If you're, you know, taking out your garbage and someone sitting under your, a tree in your front yard says, hey, Phil, God's with you, you brave and courageous person. Like, what would you say to that person? <laughs> I know you'd be like, yep, par for the course. Yeah, that's right. Just ignore and move on. Yeah, that's right. He'd be, yeah. He's met him right in his love. He's met him at a low point. He hasn't required Gideon to become something and then he's still met him mm. when Gideon was afraid, when he was hiding. Yeah. So, uh, so it'd probably take me a moment to, to realize it or to, yeah. to understand it. So sure. Yeah, you'd be confused. Yeah, he met Gideon at a low point. Phil was saying, you know, it's like, wait, I just met you. What is this? Kind of a confusing thing to say to somebody, right? Uh, anyone else? What would you say? Some random person came up to you and just said that. Probably think he's talking to somebody else. Okay. <laughs> think he's talking to someone else, yeah? Yeah. I wonder if that's what Gideon did, right? He's looking around. He's like, is there anyone else around here? Are you talking to me? Yes. So... Mm. I wonder if you felt, I mean, what a time to meet God or to meet an angel of the Lord. Right. Like, it's almost like being in your pajamas or something. <laughs> right. Like being, yeah, it's like, oh, like you got caught out. You're hiding, doing this thing maybe you weren't supposed to do. And, come to the door right now. Yeah. You know. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah, it could be, could have been really awkward. Um, yeah, absolutely. See, I think that was the main thing is like when God comes to you, yeah, it's that he's, yeah, he's seeing the, the future Gideon. He's imbuing that quality of identity in him. Um, but maybe there's also something else. Maybe there was a kind of hidden strength that, in addition, that he saw in Gideon right now. Maybe one that's not so apparent. And with that, let's look at verse 13, which this is the one I really want us to sit on for a while and to talk about. Okay? If I can keep my Bible open, I'll read it to you. And Gideon said to him, Please, Lord, if the Lord's with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are all the wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. Man, what a response. What do you think about that? What, what jumps out at you in his response? What does it tell you about Gideon? What, what strikes you? It's very rational, normal person. You said, "Yeah, yeah." He's like, "What's what's actually going on here?" Yeah. What else? What else jumps out of you? He obviously feels safe to, to challenge. Hmm. Feels safe to challenge this angel. Now it's worth it to say he. I don't think in the passage he knows yet. Maybe that this is God, or he, it's interesting. Like I'm curious what you guys think. It looked to me like as this goes on that it's at the end he goes, oh my goodness, 
this was God. You know, because when he says, please, my Lord, he doesn't mean Yahweh. Like in the actual text, like that's not, he says, please, my Lord, if Yahweh is with us. So he's, that's sort of like, more like, hey, excuse me, sir. You know, that, that's what I, how I read that. But yeah, do you guys, I, that's an, a little aside, but do you guys think he knows at this point he's talking to an angel of the Lord or talking to the Lord? No, yeah, I don't, I don't think so, but anyone disagree? Hmm, that is interesting. Tell me more. <laughs> no, I'm not the one speaking. If you say something interesting, I might, I might uh, hold you, you know, t- ask you to tell me more. Mm, he approached him in a way that he doesn't get scared. Yeah. Mm, yeah, he's really afraid. Isn't that amazing? How, given what we saw about Gideon and how God approaches him, really, uh, this just sort of occurred to me now as you said this, is like how amazing it is that he approaches us right where we are. He approaches us, he approaches Gideon in this gentle way where he, yeah, he's looks like a normal human being. He's not coming, you know, in a display of, of glory. This isn't, you know, like the vision the Apostle Paul had of Jesus coming down from heaven, right? This is not that. Because you're right, yeah, when he found out, he was really afraid. So, isn't it amazing how kind God is to us when he, in the way he approaches us in that way? What else strikes you about this passage? And then I'll talk about a few things. Hmm, skeptical of the goodness of God, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe some disbelief in who God is. Yeah. 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 One of the big things that stuck out to, stood out to me, and that I want to focus a lot on, is this whole like area of holy discontent. And when I say holy discontent, I don't mean that all discontentedness is holy, right? The Israelites grumbled in the wilderness, and that was. A, a consistent, you know, knock against them, so to speak. But God doesn't rebuke Gideon for what he says, right? We see all throughout the Bible, we see some of the most, some of the people who advocate most strongly for things being different are the ones closest to God, right? Think about Abraham, who when God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, he, he petitions him. He says, wait a second. What if there's a few righteous people in this city? Are you really going to destroy the whole thing just for that? Or Moses, when they're going into the promised land, he says, wait a minute, you're telling us to go to this promised land, but you said you're not going to come with us. That doesn't make any sense. You need to come with us if you want us to go. Or the Psalms, they're full of this. Like, God, what's going on? And what's amazing to me is that God does not rebuke these people in any of these instances and say, how dare you? Now, maybe that's not your experience, right? Have you ever been, you know, when you've felt, you know, hey, like, why, why is God not doing the things that I read about? And you express that. Have you ever been rebuked for that or criticized for that? Like, hey, you're just being, you know, 
you just shape up, man. You just got to believe. Like, I, I don't like that critical attitude. You know, that's critical. That's faithless. It's all these things. I wonder if this is the strength, the quality of strength that God was talking about. The Gideon has the courage to say, wait a second. Things are not the way they should be. And I'm not okay with that. I'm not okay with that. Have any of you been, have you ever, if any of you grown up believing that no matter what happens, we just should be kind of blissfully unaffected by the world around us? That that's what contentedness means is somehow this kind of stoic disconnection from pain or from the world. Have any of you grown up believing that or feeling that? Elliot, maybe, yeah. No, no, just kidding. Oh, he's like, what are you doing? Why are you talking to me now? Um, <laughs> don't worry, you're good, Elliot. Um, I know this subtle, unspoken, hey, you should be okay. You should be fine. And if you're not, you're, you're not believing, you're not content, you're not loving, you're not any of these things. Like think about, think about Jesus clearing the temple. Jesus walked into the temple and he said, this is not the way things should be. I am not okay with the fact that you have turned my father's house into a marketplace. And he did some crazy stuff threw the tables over, took a whip, drove people out. What would we say if somebody did that? We'd be like, that dude is crazy. That dude is not loving. He is not being kind. Now, I'm not saying you guys should do that. I mean, you know, there's nuance to this, but still like some of the people who are closest to God have this kind of, can have this holy discontent. Now, what's the difference though? How do I know a discontent is holy or grumbling? And I think it comes down to one question. Is the discontent driving you towards God or away from Him? Is it driving you deeper into God and engaging with God? Is it a desire to see His power and presence manifested in a way that you're not seeing? Or is it, man, like the traffic is so bad and oh my gosh, my grocery delivery window isn't for another two days and oh, like, you know, they're, they're out of this Amazon shipping. It's not going to be two days. It's going to be three days. Like that's, you know, that's not a desire for God's power and presence to be manifested. That's grumbling about comforts or conveniences of the world. So I think that's the question is, is that discontent coming one from a desire to see God's power, God's reality, to see heaven come to earth? As Jesus prayed, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? That, in some ways, is the role of, the, of a leader, of, a, of an apostle. That's actually, the, the term apostle is a, a political term. It's a delegate who goes from the conquering land to the conquered land to establish the culture of the conquered land in the conquering land. So that if ever, like Caesar, the emperor, Caesar ever comes, he would feel comfortable there. Right? So an apostle, like these, these people, like Gideon, are ones that look at the reality of how of, of who God is and how he does things and looks at their present surroundings and, and notices the disconnect. Right? So what I want to talk about is um, in a minute is there's sort of three things that Gideon does, and I think we can see from who Gideon is here, that each one of us, I think, need to grapple with. Um, the first thing he does is he really, I think he genuinely believes the stories that he's heard about God. He genuinely, he reads his Bible or he listens to these stories orally and he says, that really happened. Like this is actually, like it's not theory to him. 
it is it is something he actually believes um and he believes them so much that he believes that god should be it's the same god right he should be doing those same things today so he does the second thing which is he connects those stories to his life today so this is i think the point where i know by the way there's going to be a lot of wax because i i guess i hit my chest a lot when i speak or touch my chest so anyway so sorry for those of you listening to the recording right now you're getting a little whack okay Uh, yeah he connects those stories to his own life today most of us and i don't know if this is true for you it's true for me most of us i think we read the stories in our bible but we don't make that connection to our life today and say wait like am i seeing the power of god manifest in my life now let me give you a few examples have has anyone ever seen a dead person raised to life by the power of god i haven't has anyone ever seen a blind person receive their sight i haven't either right let me give you a wacky example has anyone ever seen god teleport you from here to another location jesse where'd you get that philip in acts teleported him to some random location where he meets the Ethiopian eunuch and guess what that was the start of the entire Ethiopian church now I know I'm focusing on the miraculous so to speak but like when God breaks into the material world like that that's significant like that's the God that we read about but I never ask myself like hey like I see this blind person why in the world can't I say in the name of Jesus receive your sight and it happened why is that not happening like, I think that should bother us, or at least that it should bother us when we read things that we want to see manifest here and now that we don't see. Because when Jesus healed people, people went, oh my goodness, like, I don't know who this guy is or what he's about, but there's something here and I want to listen to him. And then he taught them, right? So Gideon isn't content with this disconnect. He's not content. He says, that's what he says, right? Is wait a minute like so we're, first of all if god's with me why is he not doing like why is he giving us over to the hand of midianites but also hey what about all these amazing things i heard about him doing what about all these things i, I heard him do these wonderful stories of him bringing our fathers out of egypt why isn't he doing those today right and god actually meets him he says all right you know what you are going to lead israel out of out of bondage you are going to defeat him as one man i wonder if that is the strength again that god was looking at as he said hey this is a person who who has zeal for my reality for my power to be manifested right and that's what's amazing about these great stories um one thing uh tom's brother martin shaw is a amazing storyteller and mythologist there's a quote he had where he said "Um, a great storyteller doesn't lull you to sleep doesn't enchant you a great storyteller wakes you up and that's what's happening to Gideon is he reads these stories and they're waking him up they're making him go wait a second I'm not experiencing a power and a reality now that I'm reading about and I want that and that's what I want for each one of us I want each one of us to say to when we read our Bibles when we read through Acts when we read through the Old Testament these crazy things God did and go wait a minute like why isn't that happening now? Well, that's the second thing he does. And that the third is that he contends for that disconnect. He doesn't just think it. He actually is engaging with 
again, this person who he's not quite sure who he is maybe, but he's, I guarantee you, I don't think this is the first conversation Gideon has had with God about this. Given his level of like, I'm not okay with his level of holy discontent, I think that this is probably one of many conversations he's had with God. Um, and I think he wants that. I think God longs for us to, to contend for his world, for, his, for, for heaven to come to earth. Because that's his heart too. That is his heart for, for us. Is he wants us to experience a better reality. Um, when I used to work at Netflix, there was a uh, Ted Sarandos who heads up all of the content for Netflix. And he talked about two kind of categories of films. One is films uh, that connect us as people. And that, what he meant by that is like films that they're not fiction. They're, um, they're more like they take place, maybe not that they're not fiction, but they take place in the here and now. There's no superpowers. There's nothing fantastic. Um, you know, like The Last Black Man in San Francisco, films like that. Right? The top two grossing films in 2019, or sorry, two of the top 10 grossing films in 2019 were in that quarter category. All the other categories in eight were in the escape category, right? Avengers Endgame, superheroes. We talked about superheroes. And I thought to myself, isn't that incredible? Isn't it incredible that billions of dollars, like the video game industry, wait, I think I wrote these down. Oh, no, I wrote them in my notebook, didn't cap. But like billions of dollars in the video game industry, film industry, why? Because each of us, I think, has this still small voice inside of us that's, that whispers to us, you were made for more than this. There is a better reality out there. And we may not know what that is, and we may not know what it looks like, but we feel it, right? Like Morpheus in the Matrix. What you feel you cannot explain, or what you know you can't explain, but you feel it, like a splinter in your mind driving you mad that there's something wrong with the world. C.S. Lewis in The Weight of Glory, um, he talks a lot about this, this longing for kind of our heavenly homeland. He says, if there lurks in most modern minds the notion that to desire our own good and earnestly hope for the enjoyment of it is a bad thing, I submit that this notion has crept in from Kant and the Stoics and is no part of the Christian faith. Indeed, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, uh, fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy has off is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. Right? And think about the, the, the church in Revelation. I forget which church it was, but the, the letter that says, um, you have become lukewarm. You say to yourself, you know, I have, I'm going to paraphrase a bit, but I, you know, I have much, I have abundance, I have wealth. And he's like, you don't realize that you're poor and blind and all these things. He's like, your reality is lukewarm church. And I want you to wake up. And so that's what I see with Gideon. Gideon is, is waking up. Gideon is contending for a better, a better world. But how does this strike you? I've been talking for a little while, so I'm curious, like, how does this strike you? Like, do you hear that? And you go, I don't know. I feel like, I, I don't know. I guess I just want to leave that a little more open-ended. Like, you know, maybe things to stir a question or two or a, a thought or like, 
what are those areas that maybe you, you want to see God's presence and power manifest that aren't? Or, I don't really ever think about that. Like, I'm just trying to survive this season and like get enough sleep. That's me. You're trying to get enough sleep and just stay sane. Like, how does all this strike you guys? You know, does this seem outlandish? When you think about, hey, you know what? The Holy Spirit could teleport me from here to that tree. I know I'm stuck in the teleportation. Sorry, I'm like a fantasy nut. Um, does that strike you as crazy? I mean, kind of does to me too, but I'm like, but he did it. Like he literally did it in Acts. And if we believe it, that means he can do it, right? All right, so now we're all going to pray that one of us gets teleported over it. No, kidding. Uh, yeah, so anyway. How does this strike you? Does it seem crazy? Does it seem outlandish? Like, what? It's okay to just be in thought and to be thinking about it. Yeah, totally. For, for you, it's more about yeah the inner challenge, like what's going on inside you. Absolutely. And it's not to like glamorize the miraculous either. Like someone's heart being changed is in some ways a way greater miracle than fire coming down from heaven, you know. Um, so yeah, not to undermine those things. Other thoughts about this? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think we see Gideon kind of coming out of hiding when God encounters him and says, Hey, I'm going to, this thing that you're longing to see happen, I'm going to do it through you. You know, I am with you and I'm going to show you I'm with you. And nothing happens. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. Yeah. It takes tremendous risk to hope for something like that. Yeah. And, and I want, yeah, does that land with other, I mean, I know it lands with me. Does that land with you that like part of the fear of engaging with, again, God's power being displayed in a tangible way is, 
yeah, there's a huge risk. And there's like, like, because if it doesn't happen, it's very evident, right? If I go to pray for that person who can't walk and nothing happens, like, I feel like a complete fool, you know? I've never done that. I've never walked up to someone who can't walk and said, hey, in the name of Jesus, pick up your mat and walk. I've never done that because I'm too afraid to look like a fool to one person or to myself, maybe, you know? And again, I want to make sure it's clear. Like, I'm, I'm focusing on things like that just because, I don't know, I guess what I, I just see with Gideon, he's, he's like looking at what's going on. He's like, he's, again, whatever it might be, you're reading something about who God is and how he does things, and you're seeing a disconnect. Second thing, you're seeing a disconnect between your reality and that. And three, you contend with God for that disconnect, right? And whatever it is, whatever that reality is that you see God doing in the scriptures or wherever else that you're, you want to see, that you don't see manifest in your life or that you want to see, I think we need to be contending with God for that and to have the courage to do that. Again, whether it's, it's, I want you to deliver me, God, you know, from the Midianites like Gideon, or it's, I wanted you to deliver me from, you know, the oppression in my heart, whatever it might be that we're contending with God for that disconnect. Um, as we kind of wrap up, um, I wanted to just leave you with one thought. I recently watched The Truman Show. You guys seen that movie with Jim Carrey? If you haven't, it's Jim Carrey plays. It's a crazy, cool, like, idea for a story that um, Jim Carrey plays the role of Truman. And he's in, from the moment he was born, he was in this massive film studio where a guy, Kristoff, who's this like artistic visionary in the, in the film, has this idea for a live broadcast 24-7 of this guy's life who doesn't realize he's in a TV show. So here he is, he's like in his 30s, and he's lived his whole life in this fake, controlled world that he doesn't know is fake or controlled. And something very interesting starts to happen to him is in the middle of the, of the movie, he starts to realize that something's not right. He starts to realize that things seem a little too choreographed. He starts to dream of going to Fiji. He doesn't really know what Fiji is. He just knows it's this like amazing paradise somewhere on the other side of the world. And there's something in him that says, I gotta get to Fiji. And he starts going nuts. Like he starts being aggressive. He looks crazy and everyone around him seems so calm and collected. They're like, Truman, just calm down. Everything's fine. But he's like, it's not fine. This is like, why is the milkman, why are the, or sorry, why are these two same people walking, doing the same exact thing, same, same thing on my street every hour? Like that's, that's weird. Like what's going on here? Like he starts to notice the little things in his life that he's like, this, something's off. Right? And in the very end, Kristoff, he, he, like Truman finally sails to the very end of this world. He's like, I am going to get out of this fake reality, whether it kills, even if it kills me. And he takes a boat to like literally the edge of the set. He's about to walk through the door and Kristoff chimes in as this voice that comes from the sky, right? Because he's in this massive studio. Um, and Kristoff, he says this to Truman. He says, Truman, there's no more truth out there than in the world I created for you. There's the same lies, the same deceit, but in my world, you have nothing to fear. In my world of safety and comfort 
and normal, you've got nothing to fear. Right? And so how do you how do you discern the voice of God versus the voice of the enemy? A lot of us think the voice of the enemy is going to be a red devil with a pitchfork yelling at us and scaring us in the dark. No, that's not it. It's not it at all. He's way too smart for that. The voice of the enemy is the calm, soft voice that keeps us in a state of slumber, that keeps us in a state of comfort, of um, of familiar, that tries to gently silence that voice that whispers inside of you, there's more. There's more out there that God has for me. And that's the voice that Gideon decided to listen to as he responded to God. So as you walk out of here today, be asking yourself, like, what is that? Like, how do I respond to that voice? How do I respond to that, those yearnings inside of me that, that read my fiction novels and that watch, you know, fantasy movies or whatever it might be and say, like, there's something about that world that I like better than mine and I want it. I believe that you want it because it's there, because God has it for you in whatever way that it makes sense. So uh, let's pray. Father, um, as we look at the story of Gideon, as we look at how you engaged him in his response, um, we're just struck by how Gideon, um, you know, has this, again, this kind of holy discontent, this, this contending with you for a better reality, for more of your presence in his world. And as we sit here in our lives and in our city and in our world, um, we just ask that you would help stir that, that small voice inside of us, that voice that says we were, we were made for more, that there is a, there is a manifestation of, of your presence, that you want heaven on earth. You want the culture of heaven to be among us. Help us to know what that means and what it means to contend for that as a church. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. No, thanks, bro. Do you mind turning the uh, thing off? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was reminded as Jesse was talking of the first time I, I ever met Joni and Scott, which was at an evening meeting, and they were friends with Hannah and Phil, and Phil had had a very, very bad back for all, a long time with no joy in pain relief. And Joni, who, if you know Joni, she's very gentle in many ways and you know she kind of came across and if my memory serves fairly forcefully said i really we're going to pray for your back phil and it wasn't even a question it was like we're going to pray right now and i i get goosebumps even remembering the story because without any hype or anything they just we just laid hands on phil's back there was a tangible sense of heat phil says and if i'm right and it's all all the pain went right there was a pop and then Hannah felt the pop. Yeah, so it was real. It was really real, and it and it just went right. Yeah, so it, it didn't. Like, so it wasn't like it went from complete pain to complete, like no pain. Yeah. But there was a very clear physical thing that happened. Yes. Like, along the way to wow. So, and as I've been listening to Jesse, I've been thinking, man, this feels like a, this invitation to wake up. This waking up, and it takes a while. The older I get, the more I need. Like, I don't just jump out of bed. I need like a plan. You know, it takes me a while to sort of get out of bed. And I feel like, is anyone here resonate with what Jesse's saying, which is these, this tension of like, this is really real. We do need to be a people of faith. 
and there's sometimes we pray and nothing happens and we have to be content with that thing not happening but we also need to like stay in a place of faith of saying with everything that's not perhaps as it should be Jesus is this a wall to come down yeah and, and I know if you're like me I'm like oh I'm tired and this last year has been a survival year I do not feel like I've been seeing things and saying in the name of Jesus change come down right so I'd love us just in the last five minutes can we just uh, just look around connect with someone near us and just I want you to be specific okay I want you you have to go on, on, on and on for ages but if you like there's a specific thing I would like potentially to see Jesus change and to lift it up in the presence of someone else tell that other person and I want you to then pray for that thing that your friend or your, your new the new person you've met has said and then just flip flop it okay so we're going to not just think about this and think and study this we're going to actually right now physically stand to our feet okay almost as a demonstration that we're coming out of a season of hibernation and we're saying yeah let's let's and if you don't feel that discontent that's okay but be real about it and say jesus give me that faith again to care about this thing that my friend is telling me that it could change it might be a job situation it might be your child it could be emotional illnesses and mental health it could be just you need guidance and god still has not given you guidance and you it's almost like a, a holy discontent i want us just to lean into for the last five minutes can we do that and just pray for each other so let's be proactive turn around find someone perhaps you don't always connect with mix it up a little bit and just say yeah this is the thing i'd like you to pray for please and then we'll pray last five minutes and see what god will do